0: Welcome to Thriving in Business and Life. I'm Christopher Harding.
1: And I'm Will Wilkinson. Good to be back on the program.
0: Yeah, we took a little bit of a hiatus over the holidays, and so now we're back and going to kind of start from the get-go. We love to go around the horn with this and do all of our different uh, topics uh, each year.
1: Well, we've realized that we've uh, actually congregated an immense amount of material And so we're kind of stepping back and going, whoa, we've got a university program here. Let's take a look at the core of it all, which is the concept of thriving.
0: Right, right. So when we originally came up with the idea, or the idea came up with us, I'm not sure which it was. I think that
1: was more like (laughs) door number two.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The whole idea of thriving. What was interesting to us was really kind of posing the question of, is it possible that, that rather than just surviving a situation we could thrive in the midst of it
1: yeah i think our little soundbite is why survive when you could be thriving
0: right and and a lot of times when i first you know run that by people whether it's in a coaching setting or or consulting or training they'll go well what well, things are so difficult right now how can i possibly be thriving and and what we really mean by that word is Thriving isn't necessarily dependent on circumstances.
1: Well, not at all. But it can be uh, sabotaged by circumstances. I'm remembering a piece of graffiti I saw in a bathroom up in Canada, in Vancouver, probably 40 years ago now. I thought it was very funny, but it's also applicable to this. It was something like this. When you're up to your ass in alligators, it's hard to remember that the initial objective was to drain the swamp. (laughs) Right. I think that's pretty widely known. And it's true. We forget what the initial objective is. So if we just say, look, our objective is to thrive. That's the objective. Now let's handle everything.
0: Well, and so, you know, in taking a look at that, um, I was talking about to this, to somebody one day, and they said, "Well, you know, I, I'm I'm doing okay, but I wouldn't necessarily say I'm thriving." And it was like, "Well, what do you mean when you say I'd be thriving?" And what they showed, what they shared was this list of all the circumstances that would be in place that would be evidence that uh-huh. they were thriving. Uh-huh.
1: Right.
0: And I, uh, what I suggested was, "Well, how about if thriving is a state of mind?" Yeah. That increases the odds that you'll actually get to that set of circumstances where you'll have the evidence.
1: Well, this actually introduces our primary model. I think we've used this throughout the entire program, which is the three little uh, areas, starting with results. Here's the results you've got in your life at work. You want to change them, so
0: right. It's uh, you know tapping into the cognitive therapy model. Right. Uh, It's a model I learned from uh, Dr. Bill Gillery of of You know, that mindset, as you said, drives behavior that generates results. So when we're working with an organization, for example, a lot of times one of the first questions we pose is, what would a thriving culture look like here? In other words, what would the result be? Mm -hmm. You know, and and they start to describe all of the, what would it feel like? What would we do? What would we not do? (sighs) And, And so on. So they're describing this result of a thriving culture. And then you come back to the mindset and say, well, if that's the aim, a thriving culture is what I'm creating. That's my mindset. Then the behavior starts to become obvious, what I will do and not do. Right.
1: Right. Well, we had an experience of this earlier today. We were meeting with a a young friend who's going to help us with some marketing. And I remember distinctly a moment in our conversation where one of us had suggested something, a strategy, and she said, oh, that'll be fun.
0: Exactly.
1: And that was the thriving mindset. Oh, this would be fun to do. It wasn't a um, good strategy. I think that could be quite effective. It was just this outburst of, well, that would be fun.
0: That is the very reason why we're delighted that she wanted to collaborate and be a partner in the process <laughs> right. rather than merely somebody who was a, a a work for hire. Yeah,
1: because I think if we if we actually get very honest with ourselves as adults— we recognize that there's still a child that's alive within us, and we're happiest as adults when our child gets to play. They say the greatest achievement in life is to be able to earn your living doing something you love to do. You show up for work because you, you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. It isn't just to get the paycheck.
0: Well, and I, I've shared this story with you before and possibly in our podcast that uh, when I was a junior in high school getting ready to take my ACT and SAT exams for college, I asked my dad... Dad, how do you you know what your career should be? And he said, well, decide what you'd love to do that you (laughs) would do even if you didn't get paid and make that your career.
1: Yeah, well, you're reminding me of the uh, book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, where uh, Robert Kiyosaki was was talking about, uh, as a youth, he had both a poor dad and a, a rich dad. And the rich dad advised him Uh, when he got his first job and he was complaining about how little money he was making. And he said, listen, the money you make in a job is the least value you take from there. The greatest value is the experience you get, the contacts you make. the money is the least part of it. I thought that was so wise,
0: yeah, well, it's really starting to understand where where true wealth comes from yeah. right through, through our experience, through relationships and and you know money the finances is a byproduct of that as right. well uh you know when we were talking about uh rachel our our friend who's in here now joining us in this in this endeavor uh she was talking about when she was young Hmm. and the natural imagination that a child has and how you're so in the moment as a child that all she would have to do was imagine being a dancer and Hmm. in her mind, she was there. Well, again, that's that kind of thriving state of mind is it's, it's a state of mind that says, you know what? Anything is possible.
1: Well, and I think both of us were impressed with uh, the extra step that Rachel told us she took, even as a child. She didn't just imagine dancing, she danced.
0: She right. took action. Yeah.
1: And as we yeah. point out in our program, because we have the three, the three phases, learn it, imagine it, and do it, or practice it, that you've got to take that step of actually doing it. And a lot of people, you know, they'll make plans, they'll imagine success, but they don't actually do anything about it. And one of the reasons they may get sabotaged, is because they mistake action. They they think that action means a series of actions, like build a website. That's not taking an action. That's considering a whole series of actions. So the action to take is always one simple little thing we can do and check off our list. I think that is one of the greatest uh, determiners of success, the ability to link our imaginative visions about what we want to accomplish with a simple, executable action.
0: Well, and that's why when we start out in our in our course and our book uh, around the power of story, uh, you know, creating stories to generate success. Why that's so important is we talk about how we're we're always making up stories in our mind all the time and we're actually acting those out without realizing that we're involved in our own screenplay, right? Exactly. And that that the the real aha for me when I first started learning this was in realizing, wow, I'm making up a story, I'm casting other people in a role and then I'm acting into that was to say, well, I could change the story, yes. or as we sometimes call it, I could flip the script. Right. And, and the real magic, if you will, was not just imagining how I'd like that story to be. So, for example, if I was going to have a great meeting, who would I be? Mm-hmm. What role would I take on? Mm-hmm. And how would I show up in that meeting in order to enhance the possibility that that meeting did turn out to be great?
1: Well, one of the uh, problems we encounter when we encourage people to experiment with this is the weight of the roles that they're used to playing. Right. Some people really are stereotypes of themselves. They keep playing the same role over and over again. And often the reason for that is because of intense memories where they were kind of forced to play a certain role. I was just talking to one of my brothers up in Canada and he was recalling the torturous time he had in in junior high school with a principal who probably was kind of a fascist. He was a very cruel, unfriendly guy, and really targeted my brother for punishment because my brother was a very carefree, uh lighthearted, joking kind of guy, which really rubbed this principal the the wrong way. So my brother has all these memories of being victimized by by this guy to the extent that he's gone online And he's found other students who were there at that time sharing complaints about the same guy.
0: Well, you know, as you're saying that, I mean, we we talk about that, right, in the first chapter of our book, creating coalitions of agreement exactly what that is. Right. And you know, it's very natural for us to do that. Let me find all the other people who will agree with me right. how hard this was or what a jerk that person was. And part of that is necessary. I mean, it's in a in a way there's a healing process of realizing we weren't alone and and so on. But what we're suggesting is that that beyond that, mm-hmm. you know, not instead of, but but beyond that, part of what we can do in a coalition like that is say all right, so how can we help each other create a new story right. where we're more empowered now. Yeah, and, maybe and, we weren't then, but what can we do now to move forward yeah. into a different story that that has a different kind of chapter ending to it.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what my brother and I are doing, examining these memories and uh, looking at it from the hero standpoint, you know, in the hero's journey, it isn't all an easy ride. There there are always obstacles. There's always villains. But we love a story where the main character who's being victimized by some villain takes a stand, confronts him, and then wins. So we can do that with our memories as well as what's happening right now. And in this case... My brother is really enjoying the idea of kind of reformatting that memory. So yeah. that he can bring forward a different identity than the one he's carried.
0: You know, uh, we've, we've explored this, too, that, that it is not only stories about the present and future that we can live into, mm-hmm. and, and that's part of doing it, right, is, is now I go out and actually live into that story. But also, it's what you're talking about, reframing. Yeah. The past, redefining yeah. the past. I, I shared this once before that uh, when I first heard about the ability to reframe the past, I imagined myself going back in time—me mm-hmm. from now, right. going back in time to my past self at a time when I was at a really vulnerable place in my teenage years—and showing up like a visitor from the future in this, in my bedroom as a young teenager and sharing with me what the future was going to be like and all the things that I was going to have a chance to experience and do. And, you know, just really got into it as a visualization and an imaginary journey. Mm. And when I kind of brought myself back, it was almost as if I felt this ripple effect that it had actually happened. And what really had happened is I had reframed Uh and redefined my experience of the past. Well, you know, you've told me that story a couple of times, and
1: frankly, I could listen to it five or six more times because it's so inspiring. And in a way, I feel we'd be cheating our listeners if we didn't give them an opportunity to experience it. So staying true to our three-phase model, why don't we do a little simulation with our listeners right now and just invite you, those of you who are listening, course you're the only ones who can hear my voice (laughs) so everyone who's listening to just let your mind drift back into your history and see if you can recall a time in your childhood your adolescence where you were going through a rough time where it was kind of tough and uh, why don't you pick it up from here chris from your own
0: experience Right. And so imagine that you have this ability now to travel back in time and you, you know right where you will be in that past scenario and you suddenly materialize and show up to the younger you and you can imagine maybe they're amazed, maybe they're startled and you go, hey, no, no, relax. It's me from the future. Take a moment to really picture
1: this to make it as real as possible. Where are you? Are you lying awake in bed? Are you sitting out in your yard? Are you walking to school? See if you can get a vivid picture of some exact moment in your youth
0: where this drama is unfolding. And now the, I, the idea next is, what is it you wanna tell your younger self to give them hope? to give them encouragement. Perhaps it's, hey, we made it through this. You know, we, we, we survived. And, and here's some of the cool things that you will experience in your life. And you can imagine what some of those things are that you would share with your younger self as visions for them of the future that they will live into.
1: Yeah, so just sit in this imaginative space right now for a couple of minutes, feeling what it would be like if
0: your future turned out this way? And the key here is feeling. What does it feel like? And as you, as you really tune into that, imagine your younger self feeling a sense of hope, feeling a sense of surprise, feeling encouragement, and a sense of, of empowerment. And as, as you feel that, just really feel into it. Let yourself feel it in your now future body as well. And feeling that, and we don't
1: want you to lose, lose touch with the feeling, bring that feeling with you as you come out of the past, into the present, but keep on going. Slightly into the future, into an action that you'll take to bring this into your real life. What's something you can do to establish this
0: identity as this new self that you've uh, created yourself to be and if you want to you can do what i did and just allow yourself to to imagine for a minute that this actually happened in your past the future you actually (laughs) went back and just let yourself feel as if there's a ripple in time Uh that is rippling through time and is now landing with you wow this actually happened and that simple thing that you can do to acknowledge that might be something as simple as smiling. Yeah, It could be as simple as walking outside and going, this is amazing. Yeah.
1: The simpler, the better in many ways. it's We sometimes refer to this as an anchor.
0: Right, right. So you've started to get a sense of what we mean by thriving, is that thriving is a an intentionally chosen state of mind now sometimes when we're in a funk (laughs) when the role we've been playing is so well etched in our story generating part of our mind that we have a tough time imagining our way out of it and so one of the things we want to encourage you to do is first of all come back and listen to this podcast but also uh, you know see if you can start to practice imagining even a little change you know imagine that you're feeling better even though or do what uh, you know neuropsychologists talk about simply practice smiling because it it will change your brain chemistry it will change your endocrine system
1: and one simple way to think about this is you're inserting an ingredient in between two commonplace activities one is to think about doing things and the other is to do things but in the middle you can insert imagination what would it be like if it turned out really well right right you know we it's a shame that as children with such rich imaginations, we head into school systems that tend to value knowledge over imagination. Now, Einstein, who's considered one of the smartest guys around in history, said that he felt imagination was more important than knowledge. So what we're encouraging you to do with these exercises is to revive this imaginal capacity. It's not lost yet. We all still have our imagination, but likely... Given all the skills we have, imagination is one that's fairly undeveloped for most people.
0: Yeah, so let's say you're getting ready to to walk into a meeting or to uh, maybe it's go to the doctor's office or sit down with somebody that you've had relationship challenges with. If we can imagine what the possibility is, I'm going to imagine that it's possible at least for this to turn out well. And to start to feel like it's, it's already happened, it's turned out well. What's that feel like? Okay, now, how do I live into that story? Yeah. What you're doing is you're stretching your mind. And there's
1: that saying that once a mind has been stretched, the mind will never go back to the shape it was before. I'm just remembering Alice in Wonderland, and Alice was complaining to the Queen about something the Queen had said, which Alice thought was impossible. And the Queen said, Huh. ha. I know your problem. You don't try to do the impossible. I usually think about six impossible things every day before breakfast.
0: (laughs) It's interesting as we contemplate the power of story as it relates to thriving and to realize we are constantly living out stories all the time. We're applying, as we talk about, we we superimpose meaning over the facts. Something happens and we make it mean something about us or others. And what we're suggesting is, just as a simple practice, you could say, is start to ask yourself, wow, what story did I just make up? Mm -hmm. What story am I acting out right now? Yeah, and what story am I caught in? Yeah. Because often people, if they
1: use this exercise, will realize that they're kind of in a groundhog day loop. Right. And they haven't realized that they're kind of going through the motions and they're not exactly seizing the day.
0: Yeah, you know, we've we've got a blog that's uh, gone up today that, that the title of the blog, since it's the new year, is, Is the new year really new, right. or is it simply a rerun? <laughs> I love that.
1: Is it new, or is it a rerun? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and a lot of times, you know, it's easy for us to get caught in story loops, as we refer to them. And just asking ourselves, wow, how would I like this to play out differently? Mm-hmm. Uh, is It's just a huge opportunity for us to hopefully if we're game for it to have a little bit of fun to say how do i need to show up in order for this to play out differently how well, could i cast that other person in a different role in my mind than how i've seen them up till now
1: well and a tip for storytelling whether you're a professional or just applying this principle to your life is to uh, use the technique that all good storytellers use which is to start at the end. Right. If we know the outcome we want, if we know how we'd like the story to end, it's far easier to navigate towards that.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm thinking of of uh, some of the coaching I got early on with a uh, with a challenging uh, you know, manager that I had to report to. And the person who was coaching me, you know, said well, you've made up this really great story about him. What if, what if you start acting out a different story? What if you see him as uh, an important collaborator, uh, somebody who's instrumental to your success? How would you show up and, and interact with that person versus this villain that you've created in your, in your current story? And it, it completely shifted how I'd show up. Now, mind you, because that story was so ingrained for me, I literally had to stop before I'd go in and sit down with my boss and say, okay, he's a collaborator, he's an important part of my success.
1: <laughs> Psyching yourself up. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and okay, so I'm going to walk in and that's how I'm going to interact with him. And and remarkably, that, that relationship over time Changed 180 degrees yeah. to being to where we did become real collaborators because eventually he started to respond in kind.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, and I have a, a similar story about a, a boss of mine in a TV station I worked in many years ago. I had to show up in his office in a different identity to get the result that I wanted, which was less stressful budget meetings (laughs) for one thing
0: (laughs) you know as you say that I've sometimes heard people say well so are you telling me I should be false or that I should uh, be somebody inauthentic And, and the answer is no not at all what we're suggesting is that the authentic self our true self is far more facile and nimble and able to adapt and adjust than we give ourselves credit for
1: Well, and you and I were talking about this earlier, that one of the maladies of uh, our current time is that so many people feel disempowered. They feel trapped. They feel unable to really make much of a difference in their own lives and certainly in the the larger world, the economy, politics, etc., etc. Well, it's interesting to just step back from that sense of uh, futility for a moment and realize that everything in our lives Started out as somebody's imagination, right? All of this is the result of various people's mindsets. Yeah. So if we want to change this, why not use the same technique that was used to create it, which is mindset and imagination?
0: Exactly. Well, and it's 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 fun to to contemplate that, uh, you, you know, as as you describe that, because what that does again, it goes back to us saying. If I'm the the writer, the director and the actor in my own day to day life play, you know, and I I want to start with the end in mind so that the end of this scene called today, how would I like to be feeling? How would I like it to turn out and then direct myself? intentionally as to how I want my character to act out the role of somebody who has a day that ends the way I want it to end.
1: Yeah. Well, again, going back to our friend who's coming on board, I was so impressed at one point, another point in our meeting where, I don't know who had said what, but she said, well, that's what I want. (laughs) Yeah. And it was unabashed honesty. I want that. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes we get disconnected from that, as we say in our book, People are much more aware of what they don't want than what they do want. And it was so refreshing to hear this person just go, I
0: want that. I'm reminded of a phrase in one of Richard Bach's books where he says, argue for limitations and they're yours. That's
1: so profound.
0: And, And a lot of times what happens is, we have a failure to imagine. We wow. we get stuck in a limited to belief pattern. Uh, I was thinking of a time when I was uh, doing union negotiations. I was helping the management and uh, union of a very large pharmaceutical company figure out how to negotiate their new contract. And what we realized in the conversation was the belief was that it's us versus them. Yeah. Adversarial. Yeah, that in order for us to win, they have to lose, and vice versa. And I had just been through a, an exercise in it with a group where we'd had this uh, kind of dynamic playing out in a game. And so, what I was able to do was take our realization from that mm-hmm. into this situation. Mm-hmm. And I just simply posed a question What if there was no them? <sighs> What if, what if there's only us? Yeah. What if we're all in this together? What would we do then? Well, the key to the question you asked, I think, is
1: in the first two words. What if? What if? <laughs> yeah. To me, that's like a magic spell. Right. Because a lot of resignation is a result of not asking that question. What if? So all hope seems lost. Okay. What if?
0: Yeah. It was, it was remarkable to see what they were able to create together once they decided to just pretend. And the, the whole idea was, let's just pretend for a little while yeah. that that's true and see what we'd come up with. We can always go back to our corners and argue and fight with yeah. each other. Yeah. But for just now, just for, yeah. just for kicks.
1: Well, it's a different domain, and the mistake people make, I'm going to use this example here, which I think we just have time for me to fit it in before the end of the show. This is something I have in one of my, one of my other books, a little riddle. Zen riddle. There's a goose in a bottle. How do you get the goose out of the bottle? And there's three rules. You can't break the glass. You can't kill the goose. And you have 30 seconds.
0: All right. So so, so let, me, let, me, let me play with this. And so I'm going to walk through it. Imagine there's a goose in the bottle. Right. How do you get the goose? Out. You yeah. can't break the bottle. You can't kill the goose. And the third one was... There's 30 seconds. There's so 30 seconds. I'll
1: pose this for a client, and they sit there, and you can almost see the smoke pouring out of their ears as they're trying to figure out, well, we could... Oh, how big is the bottle? All these these, these things they're trying to <laughs> contend with. And then they say, oh, I give up. And what's the answer? I say, okay, the goose is in the bottle, right? And they go, yeah. Well, now the goose is out of the bottle. They go, what do you mean? They say, well, there is no goose.
0: There is no bottle. It's all in your imagination. (laughs) It's all imagination. And what you
1: did was you took something imaginary and you applied the laws of the material world to limit it, to limit the possibilities. So today, folks, we're talking about imagination in your storytelling where there literally are no limits.
0: All right, if you've got stories you want to share with us, you can reach us at thrivinginbusinessandlife at gmail.com. I'm Christopher Harding. And I'm Will Wilkinson. Thanks
1: for joining us. So long.